Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. We are so glad that you're here with us today. I uh, hope you're enjoying the weather. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We are coming to the very end of this sh- short letter. Um, last week we dealt with sort of the main issue, and we have this week and next week that we'll sort of conclude uh, with, some, with some final thoughts from Paul. And then we're going to move into uh, Galatians, which I'm really looking forward to. So uh, Galatians is known to be like a mini Romans, which uh, Romans is sort of like this overview of the Christian faith in some respects from a doctrinal uh, position. And so Galatians um, deals with sort of the gospel and the Christian life and how do we uh, just go about our, you know, our our lives. I think it should be good. Following Galatians, I'm going to head into the Colossians, and we'll see how long that takes us. I just uh, I feel like uh, right now dealing with um, making sure that we're staying close to Jesus and and uh, kind of really keeping him sort of front and center in our thinking as we go through these uh, these times of this last year. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's funny. Last year, I had thought that we would we would hit judges this year, but that just hasn't happened. So, I do appreciate all of you checking in with me, sending emails, and just staying connected. Um, we're trying to um, sort of stay connected with you through this, and having you reciprocate is is, is a nice thing. Just kn- knowing who is out there. Um, so today, we're going to be in Second Thessalonians chapter three. Verses 1 through 5, and with that, uh, let's pray, and then we'll read our passage. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we ask that as we uh, work through this passage, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would uh, encourage us from your word, Father. We pray that you would, uh, by your spirit, give us insight into the meaning of this passage that you would, uh, through your word, speak to each one of us, that we would see how it applies to our life, and that we would, um, we would walk with you, Lord, closely. We would be encouraged by your faithfulness, and we, um, we're just grateful, Lord, to be your children. And so we ask that you would lead us and guide us right now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Father, we do again thank you for your word. We ask that you would lead us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Um, this is a, a passage that's sort of short and sweet. Um, I, I, I do pre-record the sermon, and so it's Friday morning, 
and the weather is turning, so I hope we get some rain. And I'm sort of anticipating that Sunday it'll be a, a, a rainy day, so hopefully you have your warm drink and, and are kind of snuggled up going through this. I do uh, want to keep it sort of shorter um, for for Sunday when we're present, because we just don't know how we're gonna what, what we're gonna do uh, for those that are present, whether it be inside or um, outside, and in, in sort of some really uh, cold weather. Um, and so I uh, I do the message that's here and the message that's on Sunday. They're they're as identical as I can be. No no two sermons are ever the same, but I I just view it. Um, like we have two services, uh, the online and the in-person. If we had multiple services or when we have multiple services in person, you know, we had, we've gone from the 8.30 to the 10.30 for a season. We had three services. And so uh, each message is the same. However, they're always just a little bit different. So uh, I'm anticipating that we're going to have your, that Sunday when you're watching this, that it's going to be rainy and uh, that, that's maybe a prayer request of mine because we certainly do need the, the the water. And so here we have these these five verses that are um, they're they're short, they're sweet, they're they're sort of to the point, and they um, they really demonstrate the relationship that that Paul has with these believers uh, in this church. I, I love that Paul as he interacts with them. He's not on the pedestal. He's not over them. Uh, he is with them and experiencing them uh, or experiencing the trials with them sort of as he's one of them. And, and it really, it's a good example to me as, as a pastor. I'm, you know, I'm just a guy who got saved and God sort of led me down this, 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 this path uh, to, to be one to lead a church and to shepherd his people and to teach the word of God, and so um, I, I really do try to to lead from a, a posture of of humility and gentleness, and one who is in the trenches. Because the reality is, is that I I am in the trenches, and and so I'm with you. I'm not above you, and so I'm. Um, it's a it's a joy and an honor to to serve in this capacity. I'm so grateful that God has led me here. Uh, to Grace Point Church and to Valley Center. I do love um, our church and our community, and I'm grateful for all that God is doing in our midst. And so we come to verse 1, and we read here, finally, brothers and sisters. And so this word, finally, uh, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it's not sort of like he's getting to his final point. Um, it's translated that way, and we certainly are in the sort of the last section. There's there's basically 18 verses that stand between us and the conclusion of this letter. So you could make a case that this is the, the finally. Um, you could also sort of translate it sort of like closing thoughts, or he has in, in addition to uh, the things that he said, he has these things to state, and so. The heart of Thessalonians was in chapter 2, sort of the coming of the Lord. And, and he was assuring them that they hadn't missed the boat, that the Lord hadn't returned at that point, um, that they could trust God, they could lean into him, that everything would be okay, and God was going to take care of business according to his timeline. 
And so then he sort of, he's shifting subjects here, and he again says, brothers and sisters. It's been pointed out by many that, that this use of brothers, uh, the, the, a lot of times the, the translation in the New American Standard, I've been kind of going between the 1995 New American Standard edition and the, the 2020 edition of the New American Standard. I've kind of just been comparing and contrasting and seeing how I, I like the editions. The Greek word there is just is brethren uh, to sort of in our society and sort of like, like certainly he meant brothers and sisters and so in the new translation he they've updated the text brothers and sisters and um, and this is personal this is like a this is an intimate phraseology commentators have pointed out and in Thessalonians he uses this phrase very frequently. And it, it indicates his relationship and the closeness and the bond that he has with them. So finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us. And again, going on this, that Paul's not on a pedestal. Here he is. He's an apostle of Christ. Uh, God used the apostle Paul to write. Um, uh, there's 27 letters or books in the New Testament. I don't know what number off the top of my head what Paul wrote, but but two-thirds of, of those, I believe, are written by the Apostle Paul. And so this is a guy who uh, was, was a, a, a spiritual giant, and God used him in mighty ways. And yet, with this early church, he's a, he's a man in the trenches with them, asking them for prayer. I, I love this. If, if the Apostle Paul can ask for prayer, then you can ask for prayer. I can ask for prayer. Um, I, I covet your prayers, and I love that our church family, I do feel that my family is lifted up, and uh, especially in this last year of navigating uh, just turbulent times. I mean, it's been super uncanny, just, uh, you know, trying to, uncanny, I don't know if there's the right word, but it's the, nav- navigating the difficulties of the season has been difficult. It's been rough knowing what to do, what the right thing to do is, how far to push against the government or to trust the government. It's 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 difficult. Amongst my pastor buddies, we're always kind of joking, like, "Yeah, I didn't I didn't get the pandemic one hundred and one class. Like, we we are in uncharted territory, or we have been." Um, and so, I really do appreciate um, my church family praying for me and encouraging me and my family. And so it's been a, I I really do appreciate this. I want us to be a a church that prays for one another. That's in the e-newsletter. You can get the prayer requests. I'd encourage you to go through there to to pray through the various prayers that are found in the e-newsletter. I would encourage you to just flip through the directory and go through and pray for one another as you see the pictures. Um, Friday or Wednesday mornings, the men we gather to to prayer to pray for one another for our church family. Um, <clears throat> Sunday mornings after the service, we have uh, Jackie and Glenn and and Doug have been coming forward to to be available to pray for people. And so I would just encourage you all to to be be praying for for those around you, and uh, you know share your prayer requests to others, to, to be open and transparent with each other. We need each other. Uh, so often we go through life sort of uh, putting up walls and, and acting like we're okay. 
and and that's not the Christian life. The Christian life, we've been called to transparency, and we've been called to, to really leaning in to one another. So he's going to pray for two things in specific that he's he's going to ask for here. Um, the the first is dealing with the word of God, and he says that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly and be glorified just as it was also with you. And so the word of the Lord, this is a, this is a unique phrase for Paul. He doesn't use it very often. Uh, it's more of a, the, the net Bible says this, it's more of a technical expression found in the Old Testament referring to divine prophetic utterances. And so in the New Testament, it's not used that often, but Paul is praying for this um, the, the word of the Lord. And I believe that what we have is we have the scripture now. And I think that that fits what Paul is talking about. Uh, there's the actual scriptures, but then there's the proclamation of the word. And it's going out, um, whether it's preaching to a video, preaching in Lyme, sharing the gospel with the people around you. Anytime that the, the word of God is shared with someone, um, this is what we're talking about. Now, he says he... he his prayer is that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly. The, the, the word here is an interesting word. Remember, Thessalonians is set in Greece, and during this time, we, uh, every four years, we have the Olympics, or we didn't this last year because of the coronavirus. And the, the origin of the Olympics goes way back uh, to Greece. And, and so this picture of, of the word spreading rapidly is a word run, that would be used for like an Olympic athlete. And so the picture here is that the word of God would be like an Olympic runner just going forward quickly, rapidly, that would spread rapidly and be glorified. Now, glorified, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, this word glorified um, could be translated honored. And, and he's going to explain, because it's like, well, that's so random. Like, well, not random, but that the word of the Lord would spread rapidly. I understand that and would be glorified. Like, how does this happen? Like, how, like, does this mean that the word of God is like propped up on a pedestal? I've been to some places where literally it's like the word of God is like paraded around and, and celebrated. Is that what he's talking about? He's going to explain it. And he says, just as... It was also with you. And so his explanation is, is, well, as the word went forth to them, how was it glorified there? Well, it took root in their lives, and they began to, to live it out. This, the first, these two letters, First and Second Thessalonians, to these new believers in Thessalonica, these were young believers who had heard the word of God. They had responded to the word of God. And they had begin to began to live out their their faith, and it, it it that's how the word of God was glorified, and so the word of the Lord is most glorified when it takes root in one's life, and so as you grow closer with Christ, as you walk with Him, as you get to know Him, as you spend time uh, in the Word of God, it 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 takes time. It's a lifelong journey. But as we take it in, slowly but surely, it goes to work in our lives. 
and it and he uses it to transform us into the people that he desires us to be and when the word of god has its impact in an individual's life i believe that the word of the lord is glorified in this sense as he says here so pray for us that the word of the lord would spread rapidly and be glorified just as it was with you so as paul is going out as an apostle of christ planting churches um, strengthening the young believers, equipping and discipling these these young saints. What he desired is that the word of God would get into them, and that they would be transformed. And through that process, the word of God, word of the Lord is actually glorified or honored amongst them. The second prayer request is found in verse two. As the word of the Lord goes out and impacts people, and people be- begin to respond to it, there's, there's always pushback, or there seems to always, you can't, anytime you say always, there's certainly there's sometimes when it's not, but there's resistance to the gospel, and there's often backlash and pushback. Um, verse 2 says, and that we would be rescued from troublesome and evil people, for not all have the faith. And so his, his second request is, is ultimately that they would find protection. Um, the, the gospel, like I know in my own life, going back a number of years when I became a Christian, there was just pushback from people. It was very interesting to me. Uh, my life was sort of a, not a disaster, but, but I had my, my issues. And if you've been around me long enough, I'm open about my past and and the struggles I had, and and but but from a human perspective, I I had achieved a, a, a lot in that I'd become a Navy SEAL. My life externally had had looked really good, but but inside I was crumbling, and and you know just with alcohol, and there were there were many things that were not okay. And so when I found Christ, or Christ found me, or when I responded to Christ uh, coming after me. And I began, my life began to change. People were like not necessarily happy with the new gunner. And it's always been interesting to me because I wasn't necessarily like a Bible thumper or going after people, but it was just simply that I had begun to live my life differently, that I got some pushback. And so as the word advances, there's always resistance. And Paul says, as we go out, there's persecution coming after us. The, the 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 apostolic team uh, certainly the Thessalonians had experienced the persecution and were experiencing the affliction. Um, Paul was not exempt from this; he was going through the same persecution as they are. And so he says, you know, pray pray that the word of God would continue to move forward. Pray that it would be glorified. Pray that we would find protection from troublesome people, for not all have the faith, and not all respond to the gospel. That's this is. This is the reality. As I think about verse 2, it's, it's, I think it's okay to acknowledge that there are difficult people in this life and situations um, that we go through um, that, that percolate up to the surface as we decide to follow Christ and to live for him. There, there's going to be resistance and there's going to be pushback. And this isn't complaining. This isn't sort of... Um, you know, this isn't just mumbling. This is acknowledging that there's difficulty in this life and there's difficulty in in pursuing after Christ and the relationships that we have. And so Paul says, 
you know, pray that the word would go out, pray that we would be rescued from this, pray that we would find protection. Then we come to verse 3, and there's a sort of, we're, we're entering into this transition. We get a, we get a but in verse 3, where uh, sort of we're going to go to where the, the prayers are focused, and th- there's a prayer request for these two things, um, but ultimately where we need to go is on to God's character, and, and who is this God that we know and that we follow and that our prayers go to? Um, ultimately, this is where our hope lies because there's nothing magical about prayers. There's nothing like, you know, I, I get it all the time. Like as a as a pastor, people say, hey, can you throw up a couple of prayers for me? Like I have any, like, like I have any more strength, like strength in my prayers than you do. The The reality is we if we're in Christ, our connection is to the same God. And so Paul is focusing his attention now to the source of their strength and their hope. And he says, but the Lord is faithful. So this, this is so simple, so sweet, and so God is faithful. The Lord is faithful. Now, it's a play on words in the Greek, and you can kind of see it in the English, if we go to verse 2, the very last thing in verse 2 is, for not all have the faith, but the Lord is faithful. So, so there's sort of, there are those that don't have faith, but God is faithful. It's sort of this, this, this play on the words in the original language. Um, Paul says, pray for us, but also remember behind your prayers, the source of your strength in your prayers is God, who is faithful who will care for us. Um, Elizabeth Elliot in her book, Suffering is Never for Nothing, a book that I've recommended this year uh, for the last few weeks. I keep bringing it up. Uh, she says this, if your faith rests in your, own, your idea of how God is supposed to answer your prayers, your idea of heaven here on earth or pie in the sky or whatever, then that kind of faith is very shaky and is bound to be demolished when the storms of life hit. But if your faith rests on the character of him who is the eternal I am, then that kind of faith is rugged and will endure. We can trust God in every way, in every circumstance, because he is faithful. He is true to his word. His nature is good. He loves us. He cares for us. Even in the midst of suffering and persecution and trials that we go through in this life, we can know that God is bigger than our suffering. God is bigger than our trials. He is bigger than these things. And we can rest in knowing that whatever is coming our way, um, he is he is in, he's in the midst of it. He is using it f- for our good or potentially for something that's bigger than ourselves. Um, th- this week where we are, if you're doing the Bible reading plan with the church, we're going through the chronological Bible, the one-year chronological Bible. And this the week, I've, we found ourselves in Job. And it's been just fascinating to read Job this Here's this guy that's 
that's a righteous man. He's done everything right and, and, you know, kind of from a human perspective. And he loses everything. He loses his family. He loses his estate. Um, and his friends who are there with him, they take a lot of criticism. They're trying to rationalize from a human perspective, like, how is this all happening? Like, Job, really need you to, like, look at yourself and figure out where the sin was that happened. And Job is, like, pushing back, saying, no, I'm, like, righteous before God. I've done everything, like, correctly, and I don't understand. And he's kind of pleading his case with them, but also with God. And the reader knows in the beginning that behind the scenes, there's this exchange between Satan and God. And Satan's trying to to show that Job isn't truly a follower of his. And God says, no, he is. And so God puts these limitations. And so all of the suffering that Job is going through isn't about Job. It's not about his family. It's about God. And that, that this is Satan doing it to him. And as he responds, as he works through this, um, it, it's this example uh, to the world about who God is. And so like we're in the midst of sort of sifting through it, but it's this this beautiful story. And I think sometimes our suffering that we're going through or afflictions that we're going through, it might, like, why certainly it's, I think, for us to learn and to grow through. But it also can be something that God uses in our life as a, as a benefit to others um, that, that we need to really step back and see the tapestry of our lives unfold to see how God works all of these things together. Um, okay. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. So we're told that he will, in his faithfulness, God will give them strength. Uh, it seems like throughout Thessalonians, so here we are in verse 3, that he will strengthen you, verse 17 of chapter 2, if we were just to back up. Um, Paul kind of prays there for them that God would comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word that that he's just asking that th- through their trials, through their afflictions, through these things that they're going through, that, that God would strengthen them. He says he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So you can have no fear. You can trust that whatever you're going through, that if you're in Christ, God is there, he is faithful, he loves you, and he's going to help you get through this circumstance, this trial that you're going through, whatever it is. It reminds me of the old hymn that I, it, well, it, as hymns are, go, it's not that old. Um, but it reminds me of, for me, it's an old hymn, uh, the old, that God will take care of you. The, the course is God will take care of you. And it goes through all of these things. And it just keeps repeating that God will take care of you. And there's the story behind this is there was a pastor and his wife, and he was supposed to go somewhere to speak, and but his wife got really sick, and and so kind of like grappling with should he cancel his speaking engagement or, or not. Um, like they have a little kid, and I, if if I if I remember right, the child to, told them like, hey, if like God knows, and God will take care of you guys, and. So he goes, and the little boy stays home to take care of his mom, and he keeps telling his mom that God will take care of her, and it'll be, oh, it will be okay. And through what the little child told the mom, she like 
wrote up all the lyrics, and when the husband got home, she shares the lyrics, and it turned into one of these hymns that have, has ministered to people over the centuries. And it's simple. God will take care of you. And this is Paul's message. Whatever you're going through, God will take care of you because he's faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence, verse 4. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue and will do what we command. And so Paul's confidence was in God, that God was doing this work in their lives, that God was the one that was transforming them, discipling them, mentoring them, grooming them, sort of chipping away at their rough edges uh, so that ultimately they would be like Christ. He is uh, not beating up these early believers. He is proud of them. He is encouraged in the work that God is doing. I am so excited for what God is doing in our church. Um, For those of you, like I I hear stories about what God is doing for those of you who are uh, away right now because of the coronavirus. I've heard stories. I'm not all sure what God's doing in all of your lives and everybody who's watching. But clearly God is working for those of us that are in attendance. Like God is really doing a work like in our midst and we're seeing people who didn't know Jesus come to Christ and, and grow. And it's, it's really exciting to see what God is doing in our church family, in our lives here. And, 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 and so I, um, I'm looking forward uh, to getting through coronavirus to a time when we can go back to like dinner eights and gathering and pairing up people and, and people just getting to know people because for those of you who've been away, there's going to be people that you don't know that have been a part of our church now for like a, a year. And there are people here who don't know the people who are away. And so for me as a shepherd of this flock, there's sort of like two congregations. There's sort of the online people and then there's the in-person people. And both sides are sort of growing and multiplying. And and one day we'll all gather and it'll be just really interesting for me to see how this all plays out. So what he says in verse 4, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that, concerning you that you are doing and will do what we command. And so Paul has commanded some things. And the, the, the question, so, so the discussion, what's he talking about here? Is it, is it the stuff he's talked about previously? Sure, that's, that's naturally it. But he's going to get into some next week. There's going to be like a whole bunch of really uh, tangible things about what they're to do. Um, just sort of skipping ahead to verse 6, so in our Bibles, Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, uh, it says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that you, and he's going to go into some things. And so when we get back to verse 4, that you are doing and will do what we command. You skip down a verse, he says, now we command you. So he's going to give some instructions to them about how they are to live out their lives. Uh, throughout the scripture, we see that, that, um, that obedience is coupled with faith. That your life, how you live things out, and how you actually apply the word of God, that demonstrates your faith. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says this, Faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle 
He that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. I thought that was really good. Faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God, and he that trusts God obeys God. It's, it's kind of like James, like faith without works is dead. Like our, our obedience demonstrates that we trust God, that we believe in what he says, that we respect what he says. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we have this life mastered. But deep within our heart, if we love God, if we know God, we want to learn what he said so that we could actually apply what he said to our lives. Now he says in verse 5, Now may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the perseverance of Christ. And so he prays that God, again, would guide them to God. What we need is a relationship with God. This relationship is made possible to us through the work of Christ on the cross. So without him, we have nothing. We need to experience his love in order to live out this Christian life. It's, it's, it's being connected to him. He also says, and to the perseverance and to the perseverance of Christ, so that as we love God, as we stay connected to him, I think of uh, John, I believe it's in John chapter 15, that, where he says, you know, I am the vine, and we're called to being sort of, you know, to abide with Jesus, to walk with him. So as we know his love, we can then endure the trials and tribulations of this life and will persevere. So we come to the so what section, like what, 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 do, we, what do we get from these five verses? I think there's some simple lessons for us to, to take in and to, to apply. Lesson number one is that God is faithful. He is trustworthy. You can rely on him. He will follow through uh, in, in what he started in our life. He will give you strength to face the day and to persevere. God will protect you from the evil one. There's really a battle going around us. Like as we enter into faith with Christ, we enter into this, this battle. There is a spiritual war raging around us. And as we lean into him, we can have confidence to know that he will uh, take care of us. Like don't be surprised when you face afflictions and tribulations. Um, don't be surprised when we as the church, as we live for the word of God, that we find resistance in the world. It, it's, it's just the, the nature of, of life that God has created. But in light of who God is, he is faithful, he's reliable, he's trustworthy. We can have confidence to know that he cares for us, that he wants to communicate with us, that he desires us to, to pray to him, to ask him, to, to share with him our need, what we perceive our needs to be, uh, our struggles to be, uh, to, to walk with him and to, to live with him and to allow him to, to do the work before us. So much of the last few weeks has been the sort of repeating, begging, begging us to, to, to walk with God, to live for him, to, to persevere, and to stay confident knowing that he is faithful and reliable. 
So the question is, is like, what steps have you taken last week? Like, in this, like, as you look back over this last week, what were areas that you succeeded in walking with God? What areas did you maybe fail at? How can you uh, take what you learned last week, apply it coming this week? Today is Sunday. We have a, it's a fresh start, and it's a, the, the, the beginning of the week. As you map out your week this week, how can you carve out time for God? and to commit yourself to him and to prioritize him in your life. That's the ultimate thing that we can do. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for your character, your nature, your um, just who you are. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us. And we ask, Father, that you would uh, lead us this day, lead us this week. Help us, Lord, to prioritize you in our lives. Help us to, to walk with you, Lord, faithfully day by day. We ask, like Paul prayed, that you would protect us from the evil one, uh, that you would help us to grow in our love for you and our trust in you. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen. Well, I look forward to seeing you next week. Again, please check in. Let me know how you're doing. I like to pray for you and and just to stay connected during these times. So God bless you, and I'll see you next week.